Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast that will empower you to become financially independent as an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Sarah Young, an entrepreneur, wealth coach, and mentor to driven, ambitious female business owners who are ready to take action towards having a richer and more impactful life. I'm here to push you to think bigger about what's possible for your business and life, and I believe that your business is the best way to have more time and financial freedom. Just 10 years ago, I was $55,000 in debt and leaving a traumatic marriage as a 20-something. Fast forward to today, I now run a seven-figure agency with a team of 10 and growing and have built over a million dollars in net worth while balancing taking care of my health and prioritizing being a wife and mom. In this podcast, I will teach you how to scale your business, take home a six-figure paycheck, and save and invest for your financial future without having to sacrifice your life today. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the podcast. This is the last episode that is going to come out before the end of 2023, and I cannot think of a better topic, a better interview to listen to to ring in 2024 than this podcast episode right here. The number one most downloaded podcast episode of 2023 and of all time on the podcast is an interview that I did with my client and friend Sharice Johnson of SMJ Coms. Sharice is one of my CFO clients at Young & Co. She has worked with us for over two years at this point, and we have seen her go from low six figures with a team of subcontractors to over a million dollars in revenue in a pretty short time frame. And I'm going to let you listen to all of the good stuff that we talked about in this episode, but I just want to reiterate how possible it is for you to do something similar to what Sharice did. Sharice did not implement any crazy strategies. She did not pay for advertising. She just did the basics. Not that what she did was basics, but she did the basics of business exceptionally well. She did her packaging and offers and pricing really well. She has structured her team to work really well. Her obviously, I mean, she's a communications expert. So her marketing and sales, I mean, she doesn't even have to do much marketing to bring people in because they do such good work. This is just such a great example of what happens when you make the decision, you do the thing. And you just execute really, really well. So I'm excited for you to dive into this episode or revisit it if you listen to it the first time around. And before we jump in to this episode, I'm also going to give you another episode. If you would like to dive more into the best episodes of 2023, go check out episode number 70. This was the number one most downloaded solo episode that I did where I recapped. This was from June of 2023. I hit a million dollars in lifetime sales through Young & Co. And I broke down everything for you in that episode of what that looked like year over year, how much I was able to pay myself year over year, what things I invested in in each year to get there. So that ended up being the number one most downloaded solo episode of all time on the podcast. Also interesting that in there I'm talking about hitting a million dollars in lifetime sales. In Charisse's episode, we're talking about how she scaled to a million dollars from low six figures within a 12 month time frame. So lots of good stuff to tune into that at the end of the year to help you inform 2024 goals, to give you a sense of strategy and actions you can take, hopefully, to continue scaling your business. And next time, 
I see you, or I guess next time you tune in, it is going to be 2024. And so I'll just go ahead and wish you a happy new year. And I'll see you guys back here next week and next year. Sharice, thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. So first things first, tell me about you and, you know, what you do and how you started your business and why. Yes, yes. Well, first, personally, um, I'm a wife. I'm a mom to three little girls, Faith, Grace, and Joy. Um, Faith is four, Grace is two, and Joy is about to be one. So our house is always chaos (laughs) and mayhem, but also beautiful um, at the same time. And um, I started my career way back when in uh, journalism, as a matter of fact. I had a desire to be a broadcast journalist, to be a reporter on a local news station. When I graduated from college, I, I did that and moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time, and then quickly realized that was not what I thought it was and was not my calling. Um, so I moved back to my hometown of Atlanta, started working in corporate communications, and then made my way to what I like to call education communications. And I took my first role in this industry at Atlanta Public Schools on the heels of what many people know as the national cheating scandal that Atlanta Public Schools uh, went through. And so I quickly got thrown into the wolves um, with that role. And then that led to me working at Teach for America for some years, working at one of the largest um, national charter school networks based out of Texas for some years. And then That's when I realized I started, lots of folks started to hit me up and wanted support with their communications work on the side. And so um, when I realized that my side hustle, providing additional communication support for friends and family and former colleagues was actually bringing in more income than my full-time role, I said, wait a minute, something, something is happening here. And so I made the decision in September of 2019 to um, actually leave my full-time role at the time and step into consultancy as a communications consultant full-time. And it was a quick success, which was great. Uh, And I was determined that this was going to be my full-time gig as an independent consultant. And the demand continued to increase. And when the demand continued to increase, I realized that I needed to quickly grow a team, at least hire contractors at a minimum, but I wanted to be very intentional about how I did that. And one of the things I noticed as an independent consultant in the education comms industry was that I was one of very few people of color in this space and um, one of even fewer uh, Black women in this space as well. And so I was determined that as I was looking to hire people and work with people to build out my team, that I wanted my team to reflect the diversity that was missing in the education industry. And so I was very intentional about trying to hire more people of color in this space and help to increase the pipeline of people of color who are very talented and experts in the education sector. And so that's how SMJ Communications was born. And we are a full-time strategic communications firm. We're an all remote firm and we work exclusively with schools, districts, single-site charter schools, and nonprofit education organizations to support their strategic communications needs. So everything from media and PR to to social media, you name it, we help to provide that level of support. 
Yeah. So I honestly forget that you worked for Teach for America. And not that I forgot, like I knew that I just hadn't thought about it in a while. I didn't work for Teach for America. I was a teacher with Teach for America for two Mm -hmm. years, which I think is one of the reasons like you found me, I think through our branding photographer, Denise, I feel like. Yes. And I remember it was like, oh, so I have some understanding of what you do. I think what you what you said is super important, right? Like you have this mission underlying what you do. I think working for the types of entities that you work for, like you're working for disproportionately kids of color. And so mm-hmm. having that like mm-hmm. same, the people who do the work for those kids, I think it's important to have yep. that perspective. So I just think that's amazing. I think you're amazing. Thank you. Thank so you. yeah. Like it's almost been two years since I met you. I know. You know, summer, fall 2021. Where were you at that time? And tell me about like what has changed since then. And just to sort of lay the foundation for y'all, I'm sure Sharice will not give herself the credit. But in 2021, I mean, growth wise, you were at low mid six figure revenue. Mm Mm-hmm. From 2021 to 2022, I mean, you crossed over a million in 2022. And now in 2023, you took some time to stabilize a bit, which yep. I want you to talk about what happened yeah. there and why. But you are on track to well exceed your 2022 revenue, despite having taken the time to stabilize. And so just kind of yep. talk me through like, where were you then? And what were some of the things that changed to allow you to experience such insanely rapid growth? Yeah. So in summer, fall 2021, I was in a place of one, never having seen that much income for the business in the low, mid six figures range. And also a little nervous about, okay, wait a minute, like this impacts, you know, the amount of taxes I need to pay. I need to make sure I'm paying my employees appropriately, running, managing payroll um, in the way that I need to being thoughtful about our finances as a firm so that this can be sustainable. And so I was really in a moment of realizing I can no longer do this myself. And my little Google spreadsheet that I was playing around with was not going to credit at the same time that I was very quickly trying to onboard and hire people to support this work. So there was a lot going on at the same time of me figuring out, okay, how do I make this a sustainable business? Um, and have all of the support pieces in place. But but also, how do I like, I can't stop the momentum that we're experiencing right now. So how do I quickly bring people into the into the fold, acclimate them to the way that we do the work? And so in this moment, I knew that finances just was not my level of expertise. And so that's how we found each other. And it was a match made in heaven. But at the same time, I was also in a moment of bringing people on and actively trying to balance how much I how much of the work I needed to continue to actually do versus what I could start to delegate as well. So there was a lot of like growth and lessons learned happening. And then at the same time, like naturally with how quickly I was trying to grow the team, there was also a lot of loss in terms of the team at the same time because I quickly realized who was a good fit, who was not a good fit and started to rapidly figure out like what was the framework and also like the profile or the persona of the type of person and people that we needed to build our team at SMJ Communications. Yeah. I remember you had, I think it was all contractors in 2021. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I remember saying, I remember saying, 
we need to look at some employees. Exactly. So what I wrote down in terms of what I saw, you know, from my perspective in from late 2021 through 2022, I think there were two key elements that are so crucial for people to understand in growing a business outside of the finance piece. I mean, obviously, like you needed support on that front because mm-hmm. the volume mm-hmm. of cash from 2021 to 2022, I mean, it was like, what, 30, 40K a month in revenue yep. to yep. 100K plus yep. a month like that. Just like think for a second about like 100K hitting your bank account. Like if you're not ready for that, Mm -hmm. that can be a shock. But the things that I think I saw most dramatically shift from my perspective that I want you to give us some little insights on Mm -hmm. were your the way that you structured your offers and pricing and the way that you worked with your clients, I think was one. Two was the team structure. So shifting from like contractors to employees, hiring some people who weren't a great fit. Um, and then three is in your own self, like you've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, being able to delegate. So, you know, tell me, I guess, start with like the the way that you structure your offers and pricing. Like what were some of the things that you shifted there? A couple of things. Prior to 2021 or fall of 2021, we were charging clients hourly, one, which it I had to get into a debacle to realize, oh, this is not going to work um, because there was a client we were charging hourly, but they kind of had a ballpark investment spot that they wanted to stay at each month. And one month, I mean, they had crisis after crisis after crisis. And so they kept calling on us. And so we're racking up hours. And when the invoice went out, I remember the amount of anxiety I felt in sending out this invoice of like, oh gosh, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And I was like playing around with the numbers. Okay, maybe we don't charge this many hours. Maybe we tweak these hours a little bit. Maybe I just eliminate my hours altogether, right? As the owner and the CEO. And I was like, no, no, you have to send it. So I sent it and the client was frankly, disgruntled, right? Like, what is this? Why is this so expensive? Why didn't you let us know? And I'm thinking, well, your contract says hourly. This is our hourly rate. And this is what it took to get the work done. But it was that moment that I realized, okay, this is not going to work. This is, it wasn't a good experience for me as CEO. It wasn't a good experience for my team, right? And it wasn't a good experience for the client who had sticker shock at the end of the month. And so that's when I immediately said, we are no longer working on an hourly structure. We are going to work on a retainer structure. That way we can focus on the quality of our work versus the quantity of our of our hours. And our clients are very clear month to month on what they will be charged. And there's no surprises. Um, and that was a game changer for us. We had happier clients. Our team was happier because We knew, right, the work that we were doing and we could focus on that work versus focusing on the hours. And quite frankly, our work product and the quality of our work dramatically increased because we were able to really focus on what we were doing and not how quickly or slowly we had to get it done. And so that was a game changer for us. At the same time that I did that, it also helped to really streamline what our offerings were. Because at this point, if you had looked at our clients, we had multiple clients and everybody had a different price point. Everybody initially had a different retainer based on, you know, where we were that month, what we had talked about, what we needed in terms of growth and what our targets were financially. And and I realized this isn't sustainable either, right? There were some people who were paying very little for a lot. There were some people that were paying a lot for what seemed very little. And so we we needed to streamline what we were charging clients across the board. And so we did that. 
And so we switched from just random retainers um, to four packages. And so we color coded them based on our branding. And we had a pink package, a gold package, a teal package, and a purple package. And that aligned with the level of support um, and the types of services that you would receive from our team from month to month. It also helped us realize from our operations and HR perspective, who we needed to staff on the team, right? What level we needed in terms of if we needed a director or a VP on this particular account. And it also showed us, okay, we have gold top tier accounts. We have three of those. We have two purples, but we really need to focus on bringing in three teals over the next month to meet our financial goals. And so it really made the process smooth and efficient for us, not only financially, but also from an operational standpoint of how we're staffing. And it also made it easier for us to realize when we needed to pull the trigger on a new hire um, Mm -hmm. as well. And so that was a game changer. And then that automatically pushed us to also revamp our proposal um, approach. Because before we just had, you know, little one page proposals with a random amount that we threw on that. And so we started, we switched from a proposal that just said, we do your PR and your media, we'll do your social media to actually being what we call deliverables based. So we got very specific, like, yes, we're going to do your social media, but that means you get four posts per week. You get one reel per week, right? You get two videos per month. Um, We'll send out five press releases within the duration of our partnership. And that made it even, even clearer to our clients and to us in terms of what they can expect to receive and what we were going to deliver. And that was another game changer for us. So I would definitely say switching from hourly to retainer base, getting a very clear proposal process in place and switching from just offerings to actually deliverable based contracts and structures uh, within our work. And then in addition to that, streamlining our offerings from just random retainers to four different packages that folks could choose from. Uh, really changed the game for us in terms of how we showed up in our work, but also just overall client and customer satisfaction as well. Yeah. So you went from hourly billing, doing anything and everything they needed to let's get specific about what you actually mm-hmm. need and what your the client's goals are. And then you can tell them, okay, this is the deliverables that you need to make that happen. And here's your package, right? Like how simple is that? Yeah, I know this is stuff that I say all the time, y'all. And it's just, I think it's so great to hear it from somebody else. (laughs) Like, how did clients take it? I was so worried that we would lose clients, right? In my mind, everyone was wanted hourly. Everyone wanted us whenever they could have us and wanted everything. Um, And what I realized is the moment we made that change, clients were totally fine. Oh, yeah, that's fine with us. And it was all about how we framed it, right? It wasn't, oh my gosh, we're making this big change, alert, alert. It was, hey, we want to make sure that we're being great stewards of your time and your investment. And so in order to do that, these are the things that we're going to change effective in, in 30 days. And everyone, literally everyone was totally fine with that. And we even had some clients that started to refer us to more people because they realized like, oh, so-and-so could use y'all or, oh my gosh, this is great. Um, so it actually opened up lots of opportunity for new business for us. Um, and I was kicking myself for not doing it sooner, but I had to experience those things and the debacle with the hourly invoice and all of that to really realize um, what we needed to put in place for long-term sustainability as a firm. Yeah. 
it just becomes clear what you do and how you do it, which mm-hmm. then makes it easy to get referrals, right? Which yep. you experience to go from mid six figures to over a million within a 12 month time frame, which is insane. Yep. <laughs> Insanely amazing. Yep. Actually, I want to talk about team, but before that, it brings up another question. It, as you experienced that growth, was it mostly referrals or where did the where did the new clients come from? Great question. So to date, we have only um, received new business off the strength of referrals and recommendations. So we've never had to do any sales or marketing, which is amazing, right? Um, and also I love it because that means we always have that in our back pocket. So should we ever need to, we're we're able to then execute that sales and marketing muscle um, that we haven't had to leverage yet. And I think that is that speaks to the power of relationships in any business, right? I've just been very intentional about the relationships that I've cultivated throughout my career. And those have really been the backbone of helping to grow SMJ Communications. And then I've really worked to coach and develop my team to understand the power of relationships. And now I'm starting to see them really focus on relationships and cultivating authentic relationships with clients that then have led to clients renewing or referring us to other um, partners who we can work with. And so those two things coupled together um, really, really help to strengthen our our referral base so far. I want to repeat what she said. She's now well over a million dollars in sales. And you said you have not had anybody come to you who wasn't a referral or from your personal relationships that you have. Correct. So those of you who say it can't be done, that's not right. It's not correct. Do you ask for referrals? Do you ask people like, hey, you know, if you know anybody, send them my way? Or do they just send them to you because they love you so much? Yeah. So they just send them to us. We even, um, when I first, in 2021, one of the first things I did when I started growing the team was I launched a referral program and we called it Friends of SMJ. And you got a particular percentage of the profit from any clients who we signed that you referred, whether you were a contractor or whether you were just a friend or former colleague. Um, and the the funny thing is no one leveraged that. Like no one leveraged the Friends of SMJ. They were like, nope. We're just going to send you clients and, you know, we don't need any, any payback for that. Um, so that, that was very interesting as well. Um, but yeah, it has literally been folks just sending us referrals and recommendations um, or people hearing about us from other, from other folks. And I, I think it's the power of relationships. I think it's also our focus on branding. We're very intentional about branding. And I also think it's really focusing on our unique value proposition. We know that there are tons of firms out there, and there are also a lot of firms, to be frank, who are experts in the education sector. Um, But what truly sets us apart is our team is staffed with not only communications experts, but also former teachers and educators. So we have folks on our team who have been on the front lines in the classroom every day, working with kids, cultivating um, relationships with parents and also our focus on diversity and equity. And the fact that we can say we are feeling a huge gap in this sector and our staff represents black and brown men and women who often don't have a seat at the table making critical decisions about communications and how we're communication, communicating 
with mostly marginalized communities across the country. And so I think those things are what have set us apart and really helped to strengthen that referral base for us as a company. Yes. And, you know, strengthen, honestly, I feel like that's the most important part, right? But like, despite, and I I don't mean this in a bad way, but despite you raising your prices, despite going Mm -hmm. to a pretty high ticket model, like you still have, as far as I know, a pretty hefty backlog or like, projected, you know, pipeline coming in because Mm -hmm. the brand and the value proposition is so good that they want to work with you even with a high ticket offer. Right. Yeah. And I think one thing that's important to note is as all of this was happening, one of the things I started to realize, and and I think you'll remember this, Sarah, at our peak um, in 2022, we were working with almost 20 clients at a time. And then started to see like, wait a minute. And and this was when we had the package offerings and all of that. But what I noticed was we were signing a lot of our lowest tier packages um, and we weren't getting as many of the high ticket uh, packages uh, from clients. And so we started to be really intentional about what business we would take on, right? And what business we would not take on because what was happening is we were were literally working at and over capacity to be able to effectively support these 20 clients. And so another big decision that we made as a team was that we were going to get real picky in terms of who we worked with. And we were going to set a standard of we did not want to work with more than 10 to 12 clients at a time. And we were going to voice that. So we explained to all of our clients that we're now switching to a model where we want to work with significantly fewer clients at a time. And that's because we want to make sure we have the capacity, the time, the bandwidth to really become a part of our clients' teams, really become a day-to-day partner, and make sure that we're providing high-quality work consistently throughout the duration of our partnership. And again, I was nervous about the reaction, but folks loved it. And then that enabled us to, now we're putting that in our in in any marketing, right, that we are doing. And we're able to put that in our proposals, right? Like we're only working with 10 to 12 clients at a time. We literally have one more spot left for this fall. You know, let us know within the next few weeks how you'd like to proceed. Um, But it's really helped with our new business process. And then I'd add to that, in addition to helping with our new business process, it's also allowed us to start to generate a wait list. So once once we filled those spots, um, not only have we realized that we're filling it with high, high, higher tier clients now, um, but also we're building a wait list so that if at any point a worst case scenario happens and a client has to end our partnership um, for some reason or, or we just want to take on more new business, we can immediately go to our wait list and start partnering with new clients as well. Yeah, yes. And so that came about, when would you have your third was it November? I had my third in September. Yep. September oh, of 2022. Why am I thinking of all of my months run together, y'all? So in September, right? Oh, that's right. You came back in January. So yep. and I was supposed to have her in November. So you're you are right. Yeah. <laughs> she just came early. <laughs> you, you know, for Q4 of 2022, you are pretty much out. I mean, I know you were mm-hmm. still there behind the scenes, you know, checking yep. on things, but what we kind of talked about was after the insanity that was 2022, just the rapid growth, the rapid team growth, you put a pause on really wanting to even grow revenue in the first half of 2023 Mm -hmm. because you needed for one, like having your third 
recovering from that. Like everybody needs to be able to pause. And I think too, you needed to shuffle your team around a bit, right? Like you needed to do a reset because you have, and I've talked about in some of my other podcast episodes, we go through growth periods and then what I would call profit periods. And so we go through these, you can't be in growth mode all the time. And so you're 2022 through September when you left was a massive period of growth. And so then we had to just sort of sit and restabilize a bit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you hired a bunch of team members in 2022. I guess like talk to me about in 2023, yeah. what were some of the things that you had to do, especially on the team front to stabilize, yeah. to prepare yourself for what's coming next? I realized in 2022, about the time that I was about to go on maternity leave, that if we were going to be very intentional about focusing on fewer more robust client partnerships that my team needed to reflect that. And with the rapid growth in 2022, to be frank, we were hiring everyone we could to just have the capacity and the bodies to be able to get the work done, which I realized was not a sustainable model, right, for our team if we were going to continue to provide high quality, like we like to call it, white glove service, right, for our clients. And so, um, I did a lot of thinking and said, I'm going to put a pause on bringing in any more new business because I needed to take a moment to make some changes to the team, right? And that included removing some folks from the team who we realized were no longer a good fit. They just weren't aligned with the mission and the vision and the values of SMJ Communications and to really do some internal work on coaching and developing. We had grown so quickly that literally if you would talk to anybody on our team at that time, everybody had had a very different onboarding experience, like very different. And so my concern was, wait a minute, if I'm continuing to grow and the folks who report to me are then going to have direct report them, direct reports to themselves, if I don't get in and identify what our current challenges are and really get everyone on the same page, we're going to have a problem of I'm going to have a team full of folks, but we're going to be doing our own things and there's not going to be consistency. And this also came about as I knew I was going to be heading out for maternity leave. I knew that if I eliminated myself, I wanted to be able to trust that the team could basically still do the work that I was helping to very closely oversee and review day to day. And that's when I realized "Mm -mm, we need to make some some key core changes um, to this team because I want to make sure that even if I'm not there, I don't want a bunch of Sharice's but I do want folks who I know can still um, deliver on what we like to call the SMJ way. And so I said, in order to do this, when I get back, we're going to pause any growth. We're going to just stabilize and stay where we are in terms of the amount of business that we take on. And I want to take this time that I would typically take trying to, you know, working through new business and proposals and, and referrals and recommendations to really coach and develop the team. And so that's what we did in all of Q1, got everyone on the same page, made some critical team changes as well, and even um, decreased the amount of people that we had on the team. Because I realized if we focused on the folks that were a right fit for the team, we could actually take on a good amount of clients uh, without people feeling overwhelmed and overworked because they were very efficient in the work that they were doing and they understood how we should be showing up Um, for our clients as well. And so it was nerve wracking, but it was worth it because now just in Q1 and Q2 alone, I feel the most confident I've ever felt as an owner and a CEO of stepping away, of taking vacations, of not being in the weeds day to day, 
because I have a team that I know can execute without me having to be in the mix at all. So good. What are some of the tactical ways that you lead your team to make sure that they do that? A couple of things I changed in Q1 that I think were were big game changers for us. One was in communications, you can imagine I'm constantly reviewing content and deliverables all day, every day. But I was doing that initially because of the rapid growth from a place of I'm just going in tracking changes. Here you go. Send it back to the client. But I wasn't taking the time to coach and develop the team. And so I actually started recording Loom videos anytime I would review a deliverable to provide context and insight and questions, right, for my team so that hopefully I'm taking that extra five minutes to record that video. And I literally have the document up in real time talking through it so that the next time they do a similar document, they can either refer back to that video or they've already learned and it's ingrained in them like how they should approach that type of deliverable for our clients moving forward. So that was huge. So just finding those extra moments to really be intentional about the feedback that I was providing to the team. The other thing is we implemented um, weekly one-on-ones. So I had weekly one-on-ones with folks from the team where we would thought partner, we would workshop client deliverables and challenges as well. And then we also put in an internal brainstorm structure across the team. So every Monday they have um, office hours with our project manager. I do not join them and that's intentional. And they use that time to thought partner and brainstorm about client work, ideas, things they need to take to client calls, you know, solutions, problem solving. And that's been a huge game changer for the team as well. So I like to say that my leadership style is very hands-on and intentional in terms of focused feedback, but balancing that with giving the team the time and the space to collaborate and brainstorm with their colleagues and peers. And I think that's what's been a huge game changer for us as a team across the board. Yeah. Taking the extra time to do the reviews and instead of just changing it to be done with it, right, which would be the fastest Mm -hmm. way. It Mm -hmm. takes more time in the short term, but in the long term, you have a team that you've now trained in your way of doing things, which I think is obviously really crucial to to you being able to step away. Do you do like formal reviews with them? Yeah. Yeah. So that was one thing. I'm glad you brought that up that I forgot to mention. So one of the things we quickly implemented in Q1, so there's a couple of things. We always had a bonus structure. Uh, But as you know, that was on an annual basis. And so one of the things we did coming into 2023 is we switched that to a uh, quarterly bonus structure, which we felt, one, was incentive for the team, but also allowed us an opportunity to do quarterly performance reviews. Um, Because I realized all of 22 went by and folks weren't, weren't getting reviews and feedback until the end of the year. And so in Q1, we launched our quarterly review process and our quarterly bonus process this year. And in addition to our performance management system that we leverage, where you do, you know, the traditional feedback and and one-to-one feedback, and they do their self-review, and then I provide the manager self-review, we also developed a comprehensive rubric for every role within the form in the firm. And it was divided into all of the roles and responsibilities that match the job description for that particular role. And then it was a section that gave basically expectations for not meeting expectations, for meeting expectations and exceeding expectations. And it was also, and everything had a number value. 
So we were able to go through as HR and ops and mark where people landed in each of those um, roles and responsibilities. And then at the end, we got a total number that told us whether or not they were meeting, not meeting, or exceeding expectations. This was critical because we had some very tough conversations across the team, but folks really were able to see in a very different way, oh, so when you say I need to work on this, like this is what you mean, or this is how I move from not meeting expectations to exceeding expectations. Um, and so the conversations were tough, but the team was so receptive to it. They said for the first time in their careers, for most of them, they had never received that much feedback and that much you know, that level of clarity and the feedback during their performance reviews. And what we saw, and this is like hot off the press as of last week, is that when we did Q2 performance reviews at the end of Q2, just a week ago, when I say literally the full team jumped leaps and bounds from where they were in quarter one, it was, it was incredible. And I think that speaks to them getting really clear feedback a rubric that really defined what they needed to do to move to the next level and very clear benchmarks as well. And then using that one-on-one time and the feedback time that I'd already put in place in Q1 to really speak to those things specifically in their areas of um, opportunity, as we like to call them, not areas of improvement. And um, so that was a huge thing for us too. That's such a good tactical tip. I actually don't even think I realized you did the whole rubric thing. I want I need to do that. <laughs> I need, but I need somebody to make it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the quarterly bonus thing, like that's something I always like to recommend to people mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I feel like from the corporate world, we're used to doing annual bonuses. At least I was. And for me, I find like, number one, I see with a lot of clients, they just give out money, just like, oh, here's mm-hmm. a bonus. And it's not tied to any sort of achievement. And I'm like, no, no, like this is an incentive. We want to incentivize the things that you need for your team to be doing. And so we're tying it to actual metrics of like, what it's different for every business, right? But mm-hmm. like, what are the things that define success for them? And their bonus is based on that. And then paying it out quarterly in quarterly increments ties it so much more closely. So like when they do a great job in Q1, they get money in Q1, Mm -hmm. like they get incentivized. And so I think rather than waiting until a full year later, they get that incentive close, which I think is, is crucial. And on the rubric thing, I mean, I think it sounds like, oh, wow, that's a lot. But when it comes to team, I feel like as a person in my corporate life, I had over 20 people on my team. Mm -hmm. Now I've got six, I think. And I don't know how many you have double that easily. Yeah, a lot. But like communication is like clear communication, because as when you have a team like you are the leader. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes we forget that we get into business owner land and we want to go off and like do our business owner stuff. But like you are a leader. And so leaders communicate clearly what your expectations are. And so I think all of those are like such good tips. We could keep going about this, but I have like, I so I have other things I want to talk about and I don't want to <laughs> make this like a two hour long podcast episode. So I appreciate you sharing that Of course. on the personal front, maybe not personal, but for yourself, what were some of the things that you personally had to work on to be able to go through that period of rapid growth and sustain it yep. and, you know, have babies and yep. do all of that? I would say in that period of rapid growth, um, one of the things that I was so frustrated about is I felt like, I mean, I was clearly overworking. 
um, stress drained at any moment, anxiety, depression, you name it. It was all coming up and happening just because of that rapid growth, how quickly I grew a team. And I was like, wait a minute, like I, I have to work, right? And I have to get the job done and we have to deliver. And then I was so frustrated because I couldn't figure out why I couldn't step away. I've hired all these people. We're making this great money and I still have to be in the weeds day to day. So that was the aha moment I had at the top of this year of like, it starts with me. It starts with coaching and developing. It starts with clear feedback and realizing that it's not as simple as making lots of money and hiring lots of people. That's just a Band-Aid approach. I had to really get in and identify the problems, put solutions in place and create the team that would then enable me to trust and know that they've got it day to day and then give me the confidence to step away. And in order to do that, as crazy as it sounds, I thought the solution to continue to grow and show up as a great leader was for me to work hard. Somewhere in my life, something happened. I saw something and I always, I was told that lots of money was equaled hard work, like lots of hard work, right? And so I felt like if I wasn't stressed, wasn't overwhelmed, wasn't anxious, wasn't working all hours of the day, I told myself it was actually imposter syndrome that I didn't deserve this level of money or this successful business. And what I realized is I had to take a step back and take time to invest in myself. Um, so that showed up in investing in workout, like my, you know, my daily workout and health, my mental health, in hiring a therapist. Um, investing in my professional development. I was so focused on developing my team that I lost sight of my professional development and, and hiring and investing in a business coach. And that really pushed me to become a better leader. And so I realized when I took time to rest, took time to relax, went to Pilates, right? During my lunch block, actually stepped away to eat lunch. Those things that I was, I was not doing because I told myself I needed to stay in the business to make more money, we actually ended up exceeding all expectations financially when I invested in myself first. So I think that was the biggest shift for me of taking literally the way I've shown up my entire life in terms of hard work equals great results and realizing that rest and intentionality and invested in myself actually equals great results. Um, and so it's still something transparently I am actively working on day by day. And there are moments where I revert back to my old ways. Um, but I found that being intentional and invested in myself has been the ultimate and making sure I'm able to show up as a leader and show up for my team so that I can coach and development, develop them effectively day by day. Yeah. You and I have really similar fears and like anxiety mm -hmm. and triggers. Yep. And I know this because we went on the same retreat back in yes. May and I will tell everybody listening, Sharice, I would, I like signed up on this to go on this retreat for like women business owners. And I found out after the fact, like, oh, Sharice is also going completely independently of me. The irony is just, yes. a, I don't know. It was just like meant to be yeah. And I was like, okay, so I have a client going on this retreat, but you know, you and I have, we talked about it there, like just a lot of like really similar, like, like triggers. And I know a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of people listening have the same fears and the same mindset of like working hard equals success mm -hmm. because we're all, we're all taught that. Right. Exactly. And so 
I think understanding that like, you know, ironically or not ironically, but counterintuitively you stepping back, you pulling back and putting more time into yourself takes away the limitations on your business because it enables Mm -hmm. you to show up in the time that you do put into your business and be that much more effective of a leader, I think is so, so crucial. So I'm really glad you said that. Tell me about what you bought last week. Yes. So I've always had this goal, even from a child. Uh, I love the beach. I love water. Like that's my happy place and my center of always having a beach house. And and when we were at the retreat, this came up. We did a lot of like visualization exercises and goal setting. And one of the things that I wrote down was that in the next five years, I wanted to have a beach house. And I visualized five years. beach house. You're right. What it looked like, everything. Well, fast forward, I don't know, three weeks, uh, my family and I went on a trip to the beach and the beach house next door was on the market. And so that prompted me to like, well, let's just go look at properties. And we ended up looking at the one next door and putting in an offer. And so last week we actually closed on um, our beach house rental property, which is super, super exciting. And I say that not to like boast, brag, right? None of that. But I truly, truly believe that none of that would have happened without me being intentional about how I grow the business me stopping making decisions for the business from a place of fear and over and being overwhelmed. And it would not have happened if I had not shifted to that focus on myself, right? And investing in myself and also realizing that I can work really hard and have a successful business, but it also doesn't mean all of my eggs have to be in that basket. I'm still a person at the end of the day. I have other goals, other things I want to pursue and accomplish. And so I think that opened my eyes to to really doing other things that I had on my on my goals list and my vision board. And so that's how that came to fruition. You literally manifested that. Mm-hmm. You like, did. Literally. And, you know, I will say like your business in a large part, like funded it, right? Like mm-hmm. because yep. you have a business that is highly profitable and you took some of that, which yep. I know I started harping on you about what are you going to start investing in a long, long time ago. You've had Airbnbs, to be fair. Um, yeah. This is another level of like, they, you know, the income that this will generate. Oh, yeah. Will be well beyond mm-hmm. what your existing Airbnbs will do. Also totally. the investment, right? I remember you were sitting in my office a few weeks back or like a month ago and you had a moment of like, oh, this loan. I've never, I've never had this yeah. much debt before. Yes. But you did it anyways, because Mm -hmm. the numbers made sense, right? I'm like, if it makes money, take what these people selling it say with a grain of salt. If it makes Mm -hmm. money, even in like a worst case scenario, go for it, right? Yep. I'm I'm so proud. Thank you. Yeah. And now what we're going to bring in on rental income, July and August alone from the house we just closed on is more than what we brought in on our Airbnb last year. So like, it's a very... Right. It's a very different level and and a great position to be in. But it definitely and Sarah knows I've always struggled with like, of course, you pay yourself as a CEO or as an owner or a founder. And then there's a lot of stress in the day to day. And so one of the things that was tough for me to to grapple with was what are the other benefits? Right. Besides my salary that I feel like I could go to a full time job and get or, or do something else and get like, what are the benefits to truly owning a business? And Sarah, you kept pushing me (laughs) on like investments, like, trust me, this is an asset. Like there are other things that come from this. And 
the purchase of that beach house was super eye-opening because everything that Sarah has been preaching to me, I, I saw it come to light. Like, oh, this is what she meant. Okay, yeah, <laughs> this makes sense. Yeah, well, so explain a little bit further. What what mm-hmm. was it? What did I what did I say? Like, oh, this is what she meant. What did I mean? Yeah, so I remember you kept telling me that even, yes, you have a salary, but at the end of the day, your entire business, your profits, what your business is making, that is an asset for you right? And that you will not have that asset if you gave up the business and went back to a full-time job, right? Or if you just gave up the business entirely, like you would not have that asset. And so while you may not feel it, right, day to day and what you're seeing in your bank account, your personal bank account is, is simply your salary, there is so much more opportunity that this business can bring. And I, I heard it, Right. I heard you say that multiple times, but I actually saw it throughout the purchasing process because, I mean, I had to pull my business financials. Right. I, my business and the profit from the business was the main reason why we were approved. Right. For this beach house and and showing the projections and the profit and loss statement for the business and even the profit from the business helped to fund some of the closing costs and the down payment from the house and that's when I realized this is what Sarah meant by this business is an asset. And if I worked full time, I'd have the salary, but frankly, I would not have been approved for this beach house because I would not have had the backing of the business and the profit of the business to make it a reality. I just got full body chills. (laughs) I'm like, I'm so proud right now. Yeah. And, you know, personally too, like I, I've told you this, we're under a contract, Mm -hmm. my husband and I to buy a business and I'm having the exact same experience where, Mm -hmm. The bank is looking at my business alone and approving it. Yeah. And, you know, the cash flow is coming from what we've been able to fund in large part from my business. So yep. it is a thing. And you are going to be able to sell your business one day mm-hmm. at the right time for multiple seven figures, multiple mm-hmm. seven figures of cash are going to come in your pocket and along the way, right? Taking some of this cash out and investing it in other things. So you've got a nice, yep. well-diversified investment portfolio. Like that is, I wish everybody would do this more. Oh, that diversification matters. Something happened as crazy as it sounds when we closed on that beach house last week in my mindset of, oh, wait a minute. I have more assets, more investment opportunities, and all my eggs aren't in this one basket of SMJ communications. Um, I'm going to still see this business through. It's going to be successful. My team's going to be great. We're going to grow and prosper. But that place that I was making these knee-jerk decisions from and always being overwhelmed and fearful somehow seemed to disappear a little bit for me. And I feel like that's because I know that there are multiple streams of income, like in high income streams that are funding my life, helping you know me and my family helping to put my business in an even better position. And so there was definitely a mindset shift of like, if I ever wanted to, I'm not going to do this <laughs> anytime soon. But if I ever wanted to walk away, I have enough in assets. And I've heard you say this and have been very transparent about this on social media as well. I have enough to walk away to be able to do that and us to be comfortable for a long time. Yeah, it changes the way that you show up, right? Like mm-hmm. you finally realize I don't have to do this crap that I don't want to do. And so it finally opens up this like safety net almost, right? Yep. Of I don't have to do it anymore. And so now, yep. you know, for me, 
it's like the tax work, especially I held onto it for a long time for me. And it finally unlocked this like realization of like, now I'm choosing to do this. And so is what I'm choosing to do in line with what I want to do as a human being. And as you know, the answer is no. And so I've hired tax people to do all the tax work Mm -hmm. in my business. My goal is to never prep a tax return ever again Mm -hmm. in my life, except for my own. And now I'm like, going down this whole other path of having an entire second business. And it was all stemming from that shift of realizing I've built my business up to a place where I have the steady income. I have the assets to where you you're not tied to continuing on that hamster wheel forever. It is, it is hard to put into words like the, like, like you said, the unlock in your brain, right. Of just what it opens up for you. So I'm really glad you said that actually. Yeah. It's actually made my job more enjoyable. Yeah. Because I, I was operating and leading this company from a place of, I have to do this, right? Like, there's no option. I have to do this. And now it's from a place of, I choose to do this because I enjoy it. And it's what I'm passionate about. And it's helping me to show up differently, even in how I approach the work from day to day. Yes. You have so many good nuggets. Um, and you're such an amazing, like the embodiment of like the success that you've had. And I think, I don't know, it's just amazing to hear it. So final two questions. First one, shameless plug. You've been a client of me and my team for almost two years. Tell me like, what is the best part about working with us? Well, two things, not having to worry about the day-to-day finances, because I know there are very smart, intelligent folks who are like tracking that and, and working through that. But it's also the level of partnership that I'm able to have with you and your team. And it's not just like, okay, here are the numbers, right? Here's your profit. Like, here's what you made. Go forth and conquer. It's let's sit down and strategize and thought partner. And how are we going to, you know, move money? Where's the best place? You know, how how much do we need in savings? What should we be investing in? It's the long-term strategy piece that is also incredibly helpful. I mean, there have been a number of calls where we've talked about that personally and for the business where we've talked about what makes sense and when it makes sense to hire. So everything that we do together uh, with Young and Co really helps to um, lead to the growth of our company, the success of our company long-term, even in things that may not even directly deal with finances. Um, And so that's been incredibly beneficial, like incredibly beneficial. And I feel like your team, you and your team truly value the people that you work with and want to see them succeed. And that shows in the level of care and attention and detail that you all give um, throughout this partnership. I appreciate that. Thank you for answering my shameless plug time. You're one of my favorite people, you know this anyways. Um, So (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's true. Like we work with, with mostly like you, you work with clients who you Mm -hmm. want to have an impact on. I feel the same way. Like I, I want more women business owners, people of color, business owners, like historically marginalized people. Like mm-hmm. I think the fact that you have this business, you're going to sell for multiple millions of dollars. You have this income that enables you to like upgrade your life. Now you are able to invest like that is powerful, powerful stuff. So that actually brings me to my last question. I ask everybody mm-hmm. I interview thinking of life upgrades, not financial upgrades. What is a life upgrade that your business has enabled you to do? to be more present, which I think is a true life upgrade. We can never get moments back. We can never get minutes back. And I feel like the majority of my life, I have been in this 
hamster wheel of never ending work and overwhelm and to-do list. And uh, for the first time in forever, I feel like my business has put me in a position to have permission to be able to be present in life and with my children and with my husband and my family and my friends. And that's honestly all that I can ask for. That's something that money can never buy, but my business has enabled me to to be able to, to step away um, when I need to and when it matters most um, and to not have to be fully in the day-to-day so that I can be present and show up in life like I want to. Yeah, so important. I think especially as a mom, I remember in my corporate life, just everybody who had kids was like always working, like picking them mm-hmm. up late from daycare and like almost bragging about it. And I remember right. I was pregnant and I was like, I'm not doing this. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing that's going to be more important than time with my kid and I can be successful and do both. And I think exactly. having a business that enables you to do that is amazing. I am so grateful for you, you know, sharing all of this. I think just hearing the way that you talk about your business, the way that you think, I think hopefully people you're hearing the action that Sharice takes, like her time from seeing a problem and finding a solution and implementing the solution is quick. That's one of the things that makes you successful is being able to just run with things. And you heard her even say in the offers and the team, like she didn't get it right the first time, but she kept Mm -hmm. going until it works and will continue to iterate that process. It's a never ending process of working on your strategy and working on yourself too, right? Like we all just constantly have things we need to work on too. So I appreciate you sharing. I just think it's so important to hear, hear all the behind the scenes. There's so few women who make it to the level you've made it to. I think it's just amazing to share your story. So I'm thank so you. grateful. Thank you. Where, thank you for being a huge part of this story. Yes, <laughs> I'm, well. I'm glad I was too. It's really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, where can people find you and connect with you and follow your journey? Yes. So I'm on Instagram, threads, <laughs> all the things <laughs> at at Sharice M. Johnson. And then our uh, firm is at SMJ comms. So S-M-J-C-O-M-M-S. And then our website is smjcoms.com. Go follow along. And we didn't even talk about you have your nonprofit stuff you're doing and all these things like go follow along. She's doing some amazing stuff. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Listening and learning is great, but implementing what you learned is even better. So what's one thing you can do this week to make more money in your business, save for your financial future and start living your most prosperous life? If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with a friend because it helps me reach more amazing female entrepreneurs like yourself. See you in next week's episode.